everyone, and welcome to Let's Be Frank. Uh, this is a bit of an annual tradition that we have here at the podcast. You know, three years ago, uh, we started this little this little show here, and um, we started it in the wake of uh, January 6th uh, was the choice uh, to start this podcast. And ever since then, uh, we try uh, once a year uh, to meet with my friend, my dear friend, Mitch Lerner, to talk through... Uh, how we're feeling about January 6th. The first one was supposed to be a bit of a time capsule into how we were feeling at the time. We did one in 2022 where we were sort of reflecting on things a year later. And now here we are three years later to to talk about uh, everything January 6th. Uh, but this year we're taking a little bit of a different approach. Uh, we decided this year to, to do a little insurrection double feature um, and this is the Insurrection Resurrection He's Back uh, edition of the podcast. Uh, so we watched a uh, documentary from Frontline uh, called American Resurrection, American Insurrection, not Resurrection, American Insurrection, and uh, which is about January 6th, kind of, we'll get to it in a second. And then we also watched Donald Trump's victory speech from the Iowa caucus. Uh, we we watched it so you wouldn't have to. Uh, and we are going to talk about all those things and much, much more uh, today. Uh, but before we do that, I need to welcome my amazing guest for this episode. Please welcome everybody, Mitch Lerner. Hello, Mitch. How are you? I am great, Frank. Thank you for having me back on this esteemed tradition. Uh, very happy to be here. Why did we decide to do this? Why did we do this? Is, I know we're like friends outside of this, and so we talk to each other outside of the context of January 6th very often, but, um, you know, it, here we are talking about January 6th again. Yeah, it feels great. Um, <laughs> I, I think that we did it because we felt like we needed to do something. Yeah. And and talking into a microphone was the thing was that we something. felt like we could do. Yes. The and and now this is 3 out of 4 years mm-hmm. uh since that happened um including the year that it did happen which means that we have done it a super majority of the time. <laughs> So that's enough to do more than the Senate could do in the wake of January. (laughs) That's right. That's well said. Um, You know, uh, I wanted to start us out today, uh, Mitch, with just a little uh, just a little treat, uh, just, you know, to to welcome you into the show. Uh, Of course, uh, by that, I mean, I'm going to play Richmond North of Richmond for you by Oliver Anthony. Um, I've been selling my soul. Working all day. All right, that's enough of that. Um, Oh, my God, that was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) That was terrible. (laughs) What is that? We've got a lot to catch up on. Oh, this is the guy. Remember this guy from last summer who, like, went viral because he wrote a song about how all the politicians are bad and... um, Oh, that song. Yeah, yeah, the country guy. And, yeah, yeah, he... um, he uh, uh, is a guy who lives in Virginia who this this video has. How many views do you think this video has? Oh, God. Um, 30 million. 112 million views. Um, <laughs> 
And it's sort of, you know, it's sort of picked up on in the Q community, although he's disavowed it from that community, but for, for having some uh, messages uh, that uh, sort of sound similar to some of the things they're messaging. So, um, you know, that was just one of the amazing things we missed, uh, missed from last year, Mitch. Uh, any, any comment uh, to our friend Oliver from Virginia? So much content out there. I'm so glad that that's what people are enjoying and listening mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the, you know, but based on like the, like the rabid fan base of Q and of people who would consume that, that's 112 million views. It's probably like 400 people. <laughs> that's a good point. Who just like that is on loop and they're just like at the gym running, listening to that on loop at the gun range, listening to that on loop in their parents' basement, listening to that on loop. Jerking uh, off, I'm now listening to that on loop. Oh, yeah. I mean, you hear that and you're like, where's my lube? It's a pa- Pavlovian <laughs> response at this point. We uh, could also, if you want to, Mitch, we could listen to Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town because that also came out last year. Why listen to the song that's playing in my head all the time? <laughs> that's a great um, point. That's a great point. But all this, all this uh, very like classist bullshit that we're doing right now mm. is, um, <laughs> uh, it actually does remind me of another reason that we started mm-hmm. doing this, I think. And I th- I'm really glad that we did the one bef- like right after January yeah. 6th. Yeah, me too. Because it's so easy to like, dismiss at this point and sort of think of as like a joke and look at it like a farce and all of these things but the feelings afterwards the experience of watching that happen in the capitol having you know four people died doing it and and like the halls of government were breached in the most literal way possible that was terrible and, and terrifying. It was it was yeah. like I fear is one of the biggest emotions that I remember from that time. Sure. Yeah, and it's just like what are people capable of yeah. and what is our government capable of allowing to happen? Absolutely. And and that experience of listening, I have not re-listened to that uh to our original podcast, but like the the seriousness of it when it was happening, aside from all of like the absurd like visuals of what people were dressed as and all right. that sort of stuff, I think that that is important to remember because if we don't, then you know a bunch of meme wielding idiots could very well end up hostily taking over the government yeah, if yeah. the people in charge are cool with that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I also, you know, I, I'm glad you're taking us back to sort of why we did it in the first place. And I think that one thing I was looking back at my show notes from that and it was like a, another highlight I called out that I I didn't really re- I, I remembered it once I read it, but I wasn't thinking about it like just in my mind was that uh I guess the Friday after January 6th was like the highest uh, COVID 
uh, death rate in a, in a single day. So it was like <laughs> those two things happened the same week. So it was like, it was just a very bleak time. It was, it was w- obviously winter. It was January. Um, you were still living in uh, New York at the time. So we were all, you know, just huddled indoors. Um, I was living in a, in a mini one bedroom in the East village. Uh, and yeah, uh, with, with all of the reasons that, it's cool to be in New York closed. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, exactly. And I can see why now that you live in sunny Los Angeles, you wouldn't want to necessarily like drive around with your top down listening to a podcast from January 6th. So, you know, no, I, I want to listen to Friday, bro. I want to listen to that <laughs> song over and over again. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Um how many mil- how many million views do you think Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town has? Uh, four hundred million. It it has forty eight million. So so Richmond, north of Richmond, is is more popular apparently than Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town. He should have put more Q cues in it. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He should have made it more uh more racist, I guess. Um <laughs> well, uh let's uh I guess let's just go ahead and and get started. We watched this uh documentary from Frontline called American Ins- American Insurrection, uh which is uh I d- <laughs> I, I did a very depressing Google search that was like best January 6th documentaries. And this was one that came up a lot, um, which, as I said before, is sort of interesting because I don't even know if it's just about January 6th. It's more about like extremism in the United States and extremist groups, in my opinion. But we can talk about that in a second. Uh, it came out in 2021. And uh, let me get the the names of the guys here. AC Thompson uh, is the name of the uh, host of the episode. And it's online. It's on PBS. Uh, it came out April 13th, 2021, directed by Richard Rowley and produced by AC Thompson and a bunch of other people. Um, so Mitch, uh, what did you, uh, think about the, um, January 6th documentary that we watched? Oh man. Uh, it was funny, right? It was funny. Dude, I did not think that you could fit so many pie gags, just pies (laughs) in the face all the time into a January 6th doc. Uh, no, it was, so it was originally released on that date in in 2021 and then they updated it in 2022 like it came out in January 2022 again as sort of a second That's uh 2 year anniversary thing and i was expecting there to be more post January 6th content in it about sort of, okay, where has this movement gone? Um, and there was a small coda on the dock, but it uh, it was very much of the time of January 6th, still with that 2021 production date. Most of it was that. And it was sort of trying to weave together the story, sort of patching together from Charlottesville to right. January 6th, these different movements that coalesced 
It starts in Charlottesville and my, I was like texting you during it and being maybe a little snarky. And I was like, who's this for? Like, like it is like in, in Charlottesville, a bunch of white supremacists came and they did bad things. And I was like, okay, like we all lived through this, but then, you know, maybe I am just jaded by the fact that one, I probably just didn't want to rewatch it again, the Charlottesville stuff. And then two, um, having consumed a lot of this, I'm I'm maybe taking it for granted that people are familiar with that history. But it goes from there to really talk about a lot of uh, right-wing extremist groups around the country. And uh, one of the themes you called out that I thought was really interesting was the theme of freedom. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more? If I want to, because it's a free country and I can do whatever I want, then yes, and I do want to. So thank you for providing me with that option and not forcing it down my throat. Uh, this is Mitch is doing a pitch perfect. Seriously, no, no irony here. Mitch is doing a pitch perfect, perfect impression of multiple people who get interviewed in this documentary and how they respond to questions. Like, there's this one guy who gets interviewed who just every question he responds, "Liberty shall not be infringed. Liberty shall not be infringed." Just whatever the question is, like, "How are you feeling today? Liberty shall not be infringed." Uh, what are you guys doing here? Liberty shall not be infringed. So Mitch is doing a very uh, good impression of one of the subjects of the documentary. And uh, did you feel like they had a clear grasp on what the concept of freedom meant to them? In a word, no. <laughs> the, the, there, the, and that's that's what's so infuriating about it. One of the things is that I don't know if they know what they want. They yeah. just don't want to be told things or feel as though they are being forced to do anything. And it's manifesting in this sort of hyper-masculine, violent way. But if these people were in charge, what would they do? What would they want? What would the country look like? Uh, You know, there are people who say that they are uh, pro-choice, pro-freedom of expression. They say this while they're holding uh, semi-automatic weapons and voting in people who are voting against abortion rights. Uh, Their favorite candidates are banning books across different schools. Like, this is not old-school libertarianism. And no one could define it in the documentary uh, what they what they actually wanted. They just wanted, I think, to feel as though they have some sort of agency, mm-hmm. uh, which is relatable, um, but is so poisoned by the media they're consuming, by their overwhelming economic and sociological conditions surrounding them, by uh, uh, probably being told that things will change several times and then nothing mm-hmm. changing. And so this is where they're at. But they're holding very serious weapons, doing very serious things, causing very serious damage. And I don't think anyone knows what the fuck they want. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Except that they, I mean, I, I'm the COVID guy today because I brought it up earlier and I'm 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 going back to it now. But don't I thought worry, it was it's back. <laughs> COVID's back, baby. 
uh, American, or excuse me, insurrection, resurrection, indeed. Um, another resurrection, COVID. Um, I thought it was very interesting to go back to that era because the host is wearing a mask in many of the interviews and obviously many of the subjects that he's interviewing do not. And, and it was sort of, I had sort of forgotten about the fact that in Michigan, a bunch of right-wing fucking troll extremist, whatever, like stormed the Michigan state house in that summer, like June or something like that. As the like black lives matter protests and stuff were going on. There was also this like counter movement to that was obviously racist trying to stop uh, the black lives matter movement, but also obviously they were protesting even before uh, George Floyd about, um, masks and government overreach and blah 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 and and uh and and that anger you could still feel that anger um that like powder keg nature of like how bottled up everything felt and it is sort of interesting now i'm not saying things are like so great right now in america but it is interesting that i do think that we've moved on from like that a lot of that anger now sort of feels in the past like like covid anger and that like that pressure that we had, obviously COVID is back. COVID is still very real. I'm not sweeping that under the rug, but I do think- Oh, I am. <laughs> yeah, you've been coughing in people's faces and and licking doorknobs, right? As is right? my right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just interesting to, to feel what has changed in the country and shifted since then. And then a lot of things that happened, obviously, right? We got the same two uh, presidential candidates, uh, leaders of their respective parties uh, campaigning against one another. Uh, And we'll talk about that when we talk about Trump's speech. But uh, I don't know, was there anything else that jumped out to you, at least in terms of um, the passage of time, how things have shifted or any other... um, aspects of the documentary that you felt like you're already able to get a little bit of historical perspective on, even though it's only three years ago. Yeah. I think that the, I'm stalling. This is me stalling. Speaking slowly. That's great. I can Um, cut all this out. So it'll sound like you came up with it really quickly. Brilliant, brilliant. And I hope this is not one of those cases where you say you're going to cut it out to and then I leave it smart in. and then yeah. you leave it in. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really I, embarrassing if I did that to you. You know, fool me once. Right. Shame. Fool twice. me twice. You shouldn't have been Don't. fooling me. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. on <laughs> you. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, as far as historical perspective goes, I just like, I do wonder looking at all of these guys sort of what the English thought of the Americans when we were doing our revolution. Of course, there's geographic, there's an ocean in between, uh, there's different forms of government. There's, But now these guys are sort of like more into one person rule, it seems, or yeah. not. I don't yeah. think they know. So is this a pendulum swim- swinging back? Is this like the dumber version of royalism now resurfacing? <laughs> I have no idea, but it did make me think like, because I'm looking at these people uh, with as much compassion as I can muster, but really having to like quiet that voice in my head that is like, these are fucking 
idiots, like yeah. really having to work yeah. on not feeling that way. And yeah. I, I do understand a lot of their frustrations. I don't think they're doing anything productive with them. No. But, but the idea of being, you know, in the fucking House of Lords or something and hearing that the Americans are mad and just being like, of course they're mad. They're dumb. Yeah, you know, yeah. or like what, whatever They don't want to pay like, a tax on tea? It's yeah. just tea. This won't lead to anything. Is I think <laughs> yeah. that's I think that's the thing. It, it is the the overwhelming thought that like this too shall pass. This wave of uh, dissatisfaction will pass if we distract them with enough. If people, if the technology gets better around them, people are going to have AR headsets. People are going to have, you know, virtual porn that jerks them off. People are going to, uh, where do get I get that? More, uh, just wait, man. Apple's putting out that headset. Oh, just hold great. on. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, while well, you still have to hold on. Um, the, uh, you know, let's give them another NFL playoff game. Let's, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. do this. And and in the pandemic, a, a lot of what that was was just like something very effective that I wish the government was still doing, which was just sending out checks. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. And that it's so funny that like, oh, my God, giving people capital which every other part of society tries to rip from them at every point, including yep. a lot of our policies, which, uh, you know, benefit people who already have a ton of it, like just giving people a little bit of buying power or helping them get out of debt or something like that. Wow. How amazing is this? That helps, you know, quell dissatisfaction. Who would have thunk? Yeah. Um, but all of that to say, like, it's so hard to watch this and actually let yourself take it very seriously, especially when we're outside of the initial conditions that that did have that uh, that that powder keg, like you were talking about. You know, uh, COVID. Everyone was bottled up. Um, uh, you know, the election had just happened. All of these things were so we're outside of that super tense mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. It's hard to put ourselves back there and be like, no, like enough people with weapons get mad and some very, very, very serious things can happen. I totally agree. And I like I I I, I struggle with how to talk about this because I really don't want to sound like a, a fuddy duddy or a uh, like a mind your manners sort of thing. Well, you, but- you just said fuddy duddy. So continue. <laughs> But I, 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 I can't help but feel in this election cycle a very strong sense of like, um, a very strong desire to like warn people to be like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, if Trump gets reelected, what do you think is going to happen? Or if he doesn't get reelected, what do you think is going to happen? Like, for real, like we're, we're going to live through this in the next year. And what are we going to do when we get to that Rubicon? Because that is where we are at historically right now. We have to make a decision on this. And it is going to produce outcomes, outcomes that we have to take seriously. And I, we were talking before this about like what topics we want to talk about. And you're like, yeah, maybe we should talk about the void of the Biden campaign if you want to go there. And um, 
obviously there's a lot of disaffection on the left for for Biden right now for understandable reasons uh and but we're also like at this historical moment where D- Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee again you know and and we listened to his speech and while there's stuff to talk about there that is like LOL Trump. There's also some shit that he said that is like, what the fuck? Like, this is what he's saying he wants to do. And the last time he said what he wanted to do, he did a lot of those things, or at least tried to do a lot of those things that he wanted to do. And are we just going to like malaise our way into a second Donald Trump presidency? Like, is that, is that what, is that what we are prepared to do on the left, right, on the, in the right. center or on the right? Is that what we want for our country? And I mean, I think a lot of what you just said was very, very, very well stated. Um, uh, that was, yeah, great. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm patting my head, I'm rubbing my tummy, whatever you did in school to say like, oh yeah, me too, snaps. <laughs> um, but uh, well The silent done. applause, the like jazz hands thing yeah that's it it's weird that it doesn't work on podcasts but um (laughs) the uh yeah i I think that the other part of that though uh, of the last part of what you said is is that what we're prepared to do are we prepared to malaise our way into a second trump term which also means that he will avoid all legal culpability for anything that he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but what are we prepared to do? Are Because cause my thought right now is like, no, I'm not going to malaise my way into letting Trump win. I'm going to malaise my way into reluctantly voting for Biden mm-hmm. and I'm in California and who gives a fuck you know so like am I prepared to fucking go into a swing state to to drive to Arizona and knock on doors and argue that voting for Biden is the most important thing you might ever do as a citizen right now honestly right now no I'm not because it I have enough problems with what Biden is doing. And I think that the alternative to all of the bad things that will happen if Trump becomes president again, um, there is no clear, active way to argue what will happen if there is a second Biden term. All I could say, the best thing that I am equipped to tell people right now is if you vote for Biden, which you absolutely have to do in the most important election of your life, if you vote for Biden, the thing that will happen is nothing. And that's not fucking good enough. Yeah. So. Yeah. I we need more answers from that team because this is a binary team sport situation, like what, okay, what happens? Yeah. Like the the left is so completely disillusioned with this, with this guy. Um, the center is reluctantly generally fine with it. And if you get a couple cocktails in them, they'll probably tell you that 
they actually love him and you know mm-hmm. uh he's done some really great things for just stability and also one thing that i don't know if we're equipped to talk about is generally how like macro good the economy is even though it seems like no one feels that way Uh, i certainly my micro economy is terrible right now and i think a lot of people's are but like you look at the numbers and they're better than they've been in quite some time so that satisfies you know the couch liberal unengaged you know business set but um but Biden's losing people from the left. He's losing people from the right because no matter how milk toast he is, he's going to be painted like a socialist every mm-hmm. single time, every single Democrat, no matter mm-hmm. how bad they are <laughs> about enacting policies on the left or keeping them like the child uh, income tax credit, which we had for a year and then let go away. So it was like, all right, great opening salvo. And now, you know, that's all gone. He's losing people on the right because people are going to, you know, are blaming everything on Biden and they're calling him a socialist. He's losing people on the left because he really has not serviced that constituency at all in the last, let's be generous and say in the last two years. None. Mm -hmm. So where is his argument aside from don't you want nothing to happen? I totally agree with you. I was looking up on the side here because you said your microeconomy conditions are not very good right now, even though macroeconomically. There's this thing called the misery index that I look at sometimes, which is uh, unemployment rate plus inflation rate. So here, I'll share my screen so you can see it. But you guys, anybody who's listening who wants to look it up, there's, what is it? Miseryindex.us is the website I'm looking at right now. And it just has year by year, like the the rate. Do you want to guess what the rate was in 2022? Very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, it looks like a baseline is about six and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2022, let's say nine. It was 11.65. Oof. So it's going to drop for 2023. They haven't done 2023 yet. But if you go to... Biden, and you look at the 2023 numbers here, it's like in the nines and then in the eights and then down to the sixes and back up to seven and back down to six. So it'll probably be, you know, let's call it 8.5, something like that. Um, So it'll look better, but it is an indicator, right? In the Trump presidency, 6.49, 6.34, 5.44, 9.35 is 2020 when he, you know, loses that election. So um, also, I think a lot of people when, that was I mean, that was also when COVID happened. Exactly. You and know, I, I, that's that's uh, mostly that. And, and I think a lot of people feel similarly to you. That's that's why I bring this up is that I think the reason why a lot of people, um, even though there are good economic indicators right now, you know, on a micro level, they're not feeling great. And I think it's because things like on the whole there 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 are problems that are going on and the part that pisses me off just to be a a, a partisan here for a minute is like 
It's always the fucking Democrats job to come in and clean up the Republicans mess. This is what happens every fucking time under W Bush. They fucking ran up the credit card and then Obama had to come in and figure it out. And then in 2012, he had to explain why the deficit was so high. It's like, because fucking they prosecuted two wars. That's that's what happened. Same thing with and Trump. And lowered taxes. Exactly. Same thing with Trump. Lowered taxes, raising our national debt, you know, getting us into the whole coronavirus. The fucking way they handled COVID was so fucking outrageous. And now we're like yeah. struggling to get back, coming out of that. They pumped a bunch of money into the economy, you know, the, the Fed and uh, uh, the Trump administration. And so inflation got really high. So again, I'm not making excuses for Biden. I'm not saying he's a perfect president, but- I am saying uh, that it's frustrating uh, that that cycle of events uh, continues to happen in American politics. Oh, for sure. And it's it's become like clockwork. And it's also, you know, you see it work enough times and you just get exhausted. It's like, how is this playbook going to work again? Just because people are not thinking about it. Yeah. You know, we're very plugged in politically. I know, uh, I know. Su- such is our curse from coming, be, you know, coming from around DC and and just being genuine, like genuinely interested in it uh, for some masochistic reason. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, we watched uh, a Trump speech. Like we chose to do that with our lives. Yeah, I mean, we did find the shortest one we possibly could. <laughs> That's also. <laughs> That's also. Um, the the thing about I, I want to get back to the documentary for a second, yeah. Um, because there was there was one thing in there which was this guy who used to be an extremist, and and like I think this does tie into what we're talking about 100%. in the sense that yeah. l- like there's uh, it's easy to just sort of have all of this wash over you and just be like, yes, those are the waves of uh, things go left, things go right, things go left, things go right, <laughs> and not really pay a lot of attention to it aside from like, oh, I like this asshole who's in charge. I don't <laughs> yeah. like this asshole who's in charge. You know, uh, it, it, and I wish that I could do that. Uh, but there's a guy in this documentary who used to be an extremist and was, uh, you know, leading one of these groups leading up to Charlottesville and then was like, ah, maybe we, that was the optics were bad on that was basically all he said as far as an apology goes. He's like, what oh, a yeah, PR yeah. blunder. Yeah. Yeah. Oopsie. Yeah. <laughs> um, we said the quiet part aloud. Um, but he he made a point where he is no longer involved in being basically publicly racist. He is no longer advocating for race-based uh policies or, you know, hate and he gave an absolutely stunning reason for not being involved anymore, which was When we have a guy like Trump at the head of the movement, there's no reason for us to be extremists. Mm -hmm. He is what we wanted. Now we can fall back and be normal in society because having that guy, we can take our foot off the gas if that guy's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Let him take the wheel, you know? I'm I'm represented by this guy. And so, all right. Yeah. I I don't have to agitate for what I want anymore. Yeah. Mission yeah. over. Congrats. Yeah. You know, we did it. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And that is the scariest. That was the scariest single point made in the documentary uh, for me, uh, which also I found to be largely melodramatic and sort of something that maybe is designed to be played in classrooms in 25 years. Um, but, But that point really resonated because now as we're in this 2024... Oh God, that used to be the future. 2024 <laughs> like cycle. A lot of the commentary is mentioning like, well, it seems like a lot of the people at Trump rallies are now more normal. Uh, you know, a lot of the people who are voting for him or who are at these anti-government rallies or whatever are just sort of the average Republican. And I don't think those points are very different. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very um, scary to think about. I think another thing that that guy uh, did that I thought was very interesting was Brian James. He made this big show of being like, and I'm not I'm not like even racist anymore. Like, you know, like like a year ago, he's talking to the host of the thing. Like a year ago, I would have had to ask you, like, you know, what race are you? Like, you know, but I don't even care. Like, I don't even care anymore. It's like, uh, uh, I think, I think you might, if you're bringing it up this much, I think you yeah, still completely might. unprompted. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I would have asked you if you were white. I right. would have had to know. And then he <laughs> right. looks at the camera guy and he goes, I know he's not white. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's, um, to, to something we were saying earlier, it's so tough to want to spend an hour and a half mm-hmm. with these people, which is definitely something I had to like, you were talking about like trying to practice compassion and stuff th- through watching this. And I felt the same way. I had to practice patience a lot because it just makes me, I feel so angry about these fucking losers who use irony as a shield and try to pretend like they're so funny and so much smarter than everybody else when all they are is lost and scared, just like the rest of us, except they have big guns and they want to make themselves feel powerful in this world at the expense of other people. And that pisses me off. And it sucks to watch that for an hour and a half. And I, that being said, I am really glad this documentary was made. I thought I really appreciate there was like some great investigative engage, investigative journalism that was done. This like uh Steve Carrillo Carrillo guy in, um, uh out in santa california, Cruz, california. right yeah. yeah he shot a oakland uh police officer and he turned out he was one of the boogaloo boys and they like went out to his like compound and like gotten a shoot off with the police and he launched a pipe bomb at them and then they were they like pinned him to the ground and it was this like in this trailer park with this guy who's like holding up his dog while also like pinning this guy to the ground and the assault rifles right there like there was like some crazy stories um, in this documentary. Um, and I do sort of wonder like where, I wonder where the movement's at today. Like I don't get the sense that a lot of these extremist groups have like, there's been a lot of effort obviously from the Biden administration to like take the threat really seriously in a different way than they did in the Trump administration. Um, and I sort of wish there was like a 2023 version of this documentary where I could know like where things stand 
um, in sort of the prosecution, because obviously a lot of these guys, since our first podcast, when we didn't know what was going to happen, a lot of these guys have been sentenced and are serving jail time or are on, um, you know, like suspended sentences or still going through the criminal justice system. And um, I'm sort of interested. I haven't found a good source for figuring out like the total scope of that and what sort of impact uh, the criminal justice system has had and like curbing the growth of these groups. Cause this documentary paints a very scary picture of like just ballooning membership and expanding the base. And like you said, normalizing it to the normal Republican voter. And so that your normal country club Republican or whatever now has like a fucking uh, Hawaiian t-shirt and camo uh, pants and they're walking, you know, up to the Capitol on on January sixth. Well, not to mention, you know, I know a, a tiny percentage of people in Iowa uh, voted, like real, real small. But something like, you know, I think it it started at sixty eight percent and it grew something like sixty eight percent of people who voted in the Iowa caucus did not believe that Biden won the election hmm. actually, you know? Uh, and so that is, if that actually is 68%, and I think that is, that might be representative of Republicans overall. I'd like to see, I should have those, these stats in front of me, but um, uh, I ain't no pro, so I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but a large number of Republicans don't believe that Biden actually won the election properly, which means that like the argument that was being uh, prosecuted by Trump's team and by these uh, uh, extremist groups actually was successful in gaining a foothold. You know, yeah. so are we going to see a delayed sort of coup in this, you know, a lot of laws have been made in states that are going to make it easier for uh, the election to get a little screwy if it's close. You know, Biden's going to have to win by a large margin in order to prevent some of these laws uh, from taking place. And you look at a place like Georgia, where we remember, oh, Brad Raffensperger, this, uh, you know, election official was like such a welcome such to a the big resistance. Hero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Welcome <laughs> to Jesus Christ, the resistance. Um, well, that reminds me, my kofifi is getting warm. Oh, I need, uh, I wish it, I wish I had a hotter kofifi to drink here. Um, the, uh, but these guys were looked at like heroes. And then after the election, what they did was make the laws a little bit closer to having had these laws been in place in 2020, it would have been easier to swing the election one way or another. Correct. And what they were doing was supporting the laws as written Correct. and then supporting new laws afterwards to actually make their job like to make it legitimate. Their, their problem with stealing the election last time was like they didn't want to make shit up. So they want to legally st steal the election next time. Right. Right. That's exactly. Like do yeah. it. Do it proper. Yeah. You exactly. Know? If you're going to steal an um, election, do it legally. Yeah. You need yeah. a 5-4 decision by the Supreme Court to say Correct. that Florida needs to stop counting ballots exactly. in order for everyone to be like, well, Bush definitely won. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to put a last like bow on this 
documentary thing. I just have one last thing left to share. And I want to hear if you have anything left to share on the documentary before we move on to the Trump speech. But the only other thing I had was uh, the documentary definitely does uh, a lot of documenting of people who are tied between the military and the far right, which is interesting. Um, they talk about the uh, the Biden administration and, and the military uh, expelling a lot of people who are attached to these far right ideas. But uh, it is definitely a concern of the documentary and certainly a concern of, of, of all of ours, I would think, uh, about that tie. Um, but something that the documentary... I mean, it was only in passing that this came up, but this guy, Barry Croft, who's this fucking dickhead who tried to uh, capture Gretchen Whitmer in um, uh, Michigan, uh, he, he said... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I want to go, go on. I have thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he said he feels like we're under the rule of a military regime, and that's why he wanted to um, overthrow the government. <laughs> and uh, it was sort of... Interesting. It was just a passing comment. They were like, post-Iraq, a lot of the um, population in these um, extremist groups like increased a lot after after the war. And I, uh, in hearing that, I what I heard was, you know, I you you sign up, you you enlist to serve in the war on terror, and like a, what it was a you thought a just cause, and you go over to Iraq, and you you find out that. You know, the reasons why we're there are totally illegitimate. You've been lied to um, and you just get totally disaffected by the government and the military and you're you're you go home and you start searching for answers. And, you know, then you make some decisions and decide to listen to the wrong people and you end up uh, somehow somehow that leads to, oh, we need to overthrow the government and have a white Christian nationalist uh, patriarchal um leader um so i can't follow the logic there but i'm very empathetic to the first part of that and i guess that was um sort of one of my takeaways uh from the documentary but i want to hear from you any other like last takeaways from the documentary before we move on to uh donald trump's victory speech well on that military thing um i think that's a great thing to pick up um the First of all, if you joined the military knowing that we were about to invade Iraq, I have less sympathy. Uh, if you joined post 9-11 thinking yeah. you were going to Afghanistan or whatever, like it, understandable. But yeah. unless you needed the money uh, or the college education for free, uh, I, I feel like signing up to go into Iraq was uh, it is don't why stop don't do that um <laughs> that's bad we all knew um the other thing is though uh yeah of course a lot of these people are coming back they're feeling what did i what did i sacrifice for you know and now you've got assholes like me on the mic saying you should have known better before going in and but that's not what you mean that's yeah it's a little what I mean, but the, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, 
idea, though, of like you're coming back, the country gave up on the cause that you signed up for before you were even back, very much echoes of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. A lot of the uh, older people shown in this documentary, there were a lot of Vietnam vet hats. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think that like this movement is something that would have happened had Vietnam veterans had the internet mm-hmm. when they came back. Yep. Like, had they been yep. able to organize, like, passively organize on a national scale when they got back, uh, shit would have gotten way mm-hmm. worse as a country, which is also to say maybe it would have helped them deal with it to have a larger community. But, like... There's a world in which that goes very, very poorly just mm-hmm. because of the the anger, the uh, the uh, fact that people weren't being treated for their uh, mental uh, mm-hmm. illnesses coming back. They're they're well earned mental illnesses, mm-hmm. um, and just the uh, and then the complete deconstruction of um, the healthcare safety net under Reagan, like pretty soon afterwards, you know, had these people been able to organize and actually do something about how mad they were about this situation, shit could have gotten a lot worse. And like that said, there were a lot of assassinations in the 60s. Um, But I don't know. Those are two different points. Uh, all, All that to say, though, is that like the training people to use a lot of weapons mm-hmm. training people to coordinate attacks uh conditioning people to be able to wait shit out and be in uncomfortable conditions in order to um uh swarm an enemy at the right time and then giving them absolutely no fucking support when they get back and uh actually having a tip of the spear candidate talk about how fucked they are without then doing anything to help them mm-hmm. like it, that's really prime in the pump for some dangerous shit mm-hmm. and yeah, i yeah. have a lot of sympathy for the people who come back who were yeah. absolutely fucked by our government who yeah. then come back continue to get fucked and decide fuck they trained me to use these things yeah like absolutely um and then one other thing on the uh, the the guy in in Santa Cruz that you mentioned, uh, what was his name? Steve Carrillo. Steve Carrillo. Yeah, that that was initially argued. They brushed by yes. this in the doc too. Yes. That was initially used as like against Anti- the yes, yeah. It was it was anti Black Lives Matter, anti. You know, oh look, our our cities are turning to shit. Right. Uh, look at all this violence right. against police, and it was used on a national scale. Yes. To say, look at what the left is doing to our cities. Yes. And then when it turned out that it was a like right wing militiaman who was yeah. getting his cues from some fucking podcast. Yes. Um, that was completely brushed under the under the rug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never acknowledged. Never, never. They didn't go back and correct that uh, at any point. It was just, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, you know, oops. 
Yeah. But but the cities the still suck. All of our cities are rotting and, and everything is terrible and you should be afraid of the city. Oh, yeah. yeah. My yeah. God. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they're scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that is but that's that is using something that trump uses all the time uh which is the the anything you're doing say the other guy is doing yes absolutely absolutely out of six january sixes how many how many january sixes would you give um american insurrection i would give it and the the more january sixes the better Right. Yes. Yes. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. So we're we're going on. We're I'm going glad on I have the, you on, like... on tape saying that now. And the more January six is the better. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Just loop <laughs> loop that. This is like hearing some guy be like, "This was like ten September 11th. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I would give it uh, two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'll I'll give it a a three. But um. Not not mandatory viewing, but uh, certainly uh, thought provoking. And uh, we're gonna uh, move on now to Donald Trump's speech. But first, a break and a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. You're back on. Let's be frank. It's Mitch Lerner. It's Frank Severich. Um, we're gonna talk now about our favorite guy, Donald Trump. Um, Mitch, did you know? Make America Great Again is back, baby. That was one of my big takeaways from this speech. That's Make the slogan America this time. Make America Great Again, again. again. Yes, um, it's back. Um, this speech sucks. It's terrible. Um, it is. We should talk about all of our feelings about this. I've pulled a couple clips, uh, but initial impressions, Mitch. I turn to you, my friend. Uh, how did you feel listening to, um, and spending 25 minutes with Donald Trump? Not just listening, watching. Clockwork Orange style, eyes forced open, (laughs) fucking up my YouTube algorithm. Oh, dude. Fucking as soon as I went to the home screen, it was just all fucking Trump stuff now. It's crazy how fast it happens. It's crazy. Oh, they have years of my my YouTube history in there. And I watch one Trump speech and now it's like, you might like this Carrie Lake speech. You might want to check out <laughs> Carrie Lake. Like I can't wait it. to see all of the cute cats with MAGA hats. <laughs> Um, it was, uh, almost unbearable, um, watching this speech, but it was unbearable for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them was that, uh, it was boring. Uh, it was a boring campaign speech in which he thanked a bunch of people, uh, talked about how bad the country's doing right now and how good it's going to be doing when he's around and then naming some of the things that he would do. That's generally the uh, structure of the speech. And it was unbearable because it was boring. Uh, It was unbearable because it felt like a normal campaign speech. That is Uh, the big takeaway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that is the scariest thing to me is that like if people aren't paying attention and they're watching that, he seemed like a fairly clever version of normal. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he seemed fairly relatable talking about his mother-in-law dying and- um, And his father-in-law mm-hmm. being lonely now and-, and yeah. yeah, I wrote that down. It, he said, he was like, he's like, he's a lonely he's guy. He's a lonely man. It, he's, he's a really lonely man, but he'll be okay. It'll like, be okay. He he really like he said lonely twice, and the second time it was like I don't know if this guy has a good relationship with his. It felt like he was making fun of his father. It, it did. It yes. did. He's a lonely oh, man. The, oh, oh, the widow should have made more friends as an adult. Didn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> they say it's hard. They say it's hard. Not when you have money. No, no, no. <laughs> um, man, this we we got into this quickly. Um, yes, we did. He he. Uh, it was unbearable for those reasons, what he was saying, uh, how he was saying it, all of the normal Trump shit. But like the fact that that it felt like a campaign event and not like watching a um, uh, person on trial for nearly taking down the United States like, <laughs> yes, try yes. to dodge. Yes. That was the scariest part. It's like, I oh, totally man, agree. people- People are going to fall for this shit again. I, I totally agree. Yes. The the scariest part of the speech was being like, oh, he could win. He totally could win. He 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 might he he might win. He might win. Yeah. That was my if takeaway. He can, too. If he can if he can do this for 10 months, he could win. And not that these speeches were so different than his uh uh Victory speeches sure. in the primary in 2016 or 2020. I think one of the big differences is that he's off Twitter. No one's covering his truth social shit. So this is the Trump that like his campaign people in 2020 were hoping would just be there. He's like, if you could only do this and not go off on Twitter. I totally then agree. You're gonna win. And he couldn't do it. And now he doesn't have the channels to remind people that he's fucking nuts, you know, 30 times a day. Yep. I totally agree. I will say, as as cold comfort to our listeners out there who might be alarmed by our assessment, um, once you once he gets into the policy, it's even worse. <laughs> So that's the other part of it is he is still crazy. He he is he is definitely on his best manners in this speech. He's he comes across as like you said kind of likable, kind of a a a garrulous dude, right? In this. And then when he starts talking about the actual policies that he wants to implement, they're fucking insane. And I have some clips here uh to uh to to speak to that um but yeah anything before we jump into clip land here yeah it's super light on policy and all of the policy is ape shit yes yes yeah exactly um the yeah no let's let let's get into clip land okay cool we'll start with a clip uh that you called out this is uh him um Speaking about the Iowa Attorney General, um, and so this is four minutes in. At this point, my wife has already left the room because she was like, "I can't listen to this guy. <laughs> um, he is uh, he he he's just been thanking people for four minutes, and it's it's um, he's cracking jokes like, oh, you can't drive an electric car that far,' and 
uh, just carry- hack. It's it's so hack. Jokes aren't yes. funny. Like the the no. campaign lines, it just hack shit. And that's when it's like, oh, maybe he's he's lost a step. Maybe he can't do this. And then when he's just speaking off the cuff, and just people are catching strays, it's like, oh yes. no, he's like, man, you know, he's still a catty little bitch, and people love it. I totally agree. I am actually going to back it up a little bit because there is a la- an exaggerated laughter, maybe like. 10 seconds into this clip. So this is really just for you, Mitch, not for our listeners. But there's an exaggerated laugh from Trump Jr. that I want you to see. Um, and then this will get us right into the Iowa Attorney yeah. General so thing. So he's he's flanked by his two sons. And then there's people on both sides of him. And yeah. he seems to keep forgetting that the kids are there. He looks <laughs> yeah. back a couple of times and he's like, oh, oh Eric's here. Yeah. Oh, Don Jr. Oh, yes. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay, here we go. Hey. 50, 55% of the senators. And now they're all calling and saying, we want to endorse you, sir. I said, oh, great. Look at his laugh. (laughs) Oh, man, that's crushing. We have tremendous, much more than anybody Uh, has ever had in this position. And we love them all. They're great. And here's the Iowa Attorney General. One woman in Iowa who really stepped up was your Attorney General, Brenna Bird. She really, really stepped up. Yeah. Good for her. There's Brenna. There, there's Brenna. Gee, isn't it great when an attorney general has to step up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Glad to do it. We need you, she says. She stepped up. She's going to be your governor someday, I predict. So we'll yeah. Uh, that sounds like good news. We'll be watching. Yeah, she seems she really great. Did. She broke away from the pack. And, wait, wait, keep, she, she broke yeah. away from the pack. Yeah. You yeah, want to yeah. keep going? Play it, play it a little, a little longer. Okay, I'll go back a few seconds because I kind of broke it up there. All right, there we go. She stepped up. She's going to be your governor someday, I predict. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll be watching. But she really did. She broke away from the pack, and she had tremendous courage, and uh, wasn't easy. In some states, it's easy. In other states, it's a little bit more difficult. But we have really the support of the people of Iowa, which has been just incredible. Another man who was actually the first person to endorse him. All right. So this goes on to another thing. Yeah. (laughs) So that clip, you've got uh, this attorney general where he says, you broke away from the pack. You know, it's good. He also says, we'll be watching you. Yeah. (laughs) Which sounds kind of like a veiled threat. Yeah. And then and and dangles the governorship in in front of her. So keeping in mind that the it, uh, this is an attorney general yes, of a yes, state yes okay this is this is the main a, law law interpreter and law enforcement official in the y- in the state who broke away from the pack so she had to do something <laughs> yeah. unorthodox that other people didn't want her to do correct in order to support trump who she says then i need we need you we need you yeah. Um. So, this to me was the most insidious part of the speech yeah. because it it feels like just like some normal regular part of thanking people for a campaign. But if you have to thank the number one like law enforcement officer of a state in order to I don't know be on the ballot, I don't even know what he's thanking her for. But if she has to like finagle things in a way that is um, satisfying to this guy while he's under so much legal scrutiny. Yes, these are the kinds of individuals he's going to have to be thanking and have his thumb on in order to make this thing work. And it seems like he 
does yeah and that like it it really hits home this is a theme that was covered again and again and again around uh, 2020 like the fragility of our institutions i know like our institutions know. are run by individuals and this is one where it seems like if push comes to shove she'll do whatever the fuck she needs to do to get this guy in and that to me is like the big scary takeaway of this speech compared it's like that combined with the fact that like you watch this candidate speak and you're like oh yeah that guy could win mm -hmm. yeah totally and uh you know if it wasn't um scary or depressing enough yet uh let's skip ahead to a couple minutes in the speech so this is when he starts talking policy um i, I just wanted to share this will be about a minute and a half and we can talk over this again, Mitch, because um, he has some great ideas uh, for our country. We're going to come together. Good. We're going to drill, baby, drill right away. We're going to drill, baby, drill. First policy position he mentioned yep. is drill, yep. baby, drill. To seal yep. up the border. Seal up that border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion an, of an invasion. Of millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. It's a very bad thing. I think it's a group of people that probably larger in number than New York mm -hmm. State, mm -hmm. and we can't have probably we can't have that. Yeah. It's not sustainable probably. as a country. It's horrible. Yeah. And you know they're coming from prisons and jails. They're coming prisons, from prisons, jails, all over. They're coming from countries that most people have never heard of. Mm -hmm. Can you pause it for a sec? From yeah, mental institutions. Isn't that great? Mental institutions. They're coming he from mental institutions. Yeah. Do you remember how scandalized we were yes, yes. when he That's, said they're yes. not sending their best? Yes, yes. That was exactly like, why I called this out, yes. Yeah, now he's just like, here's what I meant by that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he because he didn't say the word rapist, this yeah. isn't going to get picked up. Or remember when, we said, when he said shithole country? He just said, oh, like, yeah. countries you've never heard of before. It's like, it's the same thing. He's just saying the same yeah. thing. Like just othering yeah, like, groups of people uh, who are coming here for millions of different reasons, but just making it seem like the worst possible case scenario to scare you into voting for and him. And he's he's using slightly more polite language. Slightly, and he's saying, yes. yeah, and he's saying things that are horrible. Um, yeah, but using that language and it being eight years after he initially dropped this stuff, right. we have lost the antibodies yes. uh, that would call this out as as terrible. And you've got a whole lot of fucking mainstream Reagan Republicans who are going to look yes. for someone to vote for after Haley is out and be like, nothing he said is that objectionable. But 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 th that is exactly the point, Mitch, because he is saying shit that is objectionable. Like, that's what's yeah. crazy is like, when you actually listen to him speak, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is what he's yeah. been saying on the campaign trail? And this is and this is as mild as he gets. I know. All right, we got 45 more seconds of this clip. So here we go. Thank God, more. Insane yeah. asylums, they're being emptied out into our country. Insane asylums being emptied out. Many terrorists are coming in. You know, Many terrorists. I saw just recently on a poll, they had none in 29, no terrorists. Not, now I even say, there's got to be some, but they have got to be some. Yeah, no. And then as soon as this group took over, mm -hmm. they have 
hundreds and hundreds of terrorists coming in, known terrorists, some of them really bad. Mm-hmm. And many really of them bad. are in, and they came in, and nobody knows where they are. This is not a good thing. And we're going to have. I love that you're you're doing the church responses level that <laughs> we're, yeah, we're going to have to deport them, Mitch. Country. We're going to have to deport them. We're going to have to do the biggest do- deportation we've ever seen in this country. You know, there are so many people who would hear that as a good thing. I know. I know. Uh, it's so bad. Uh, yeah, like the fact that that's not even that's something that he is like playing to the large base of the Republican mm-hmm. Party and probably a lot of independents too. Absolutely. Like yeah. in I in think a lot of Iowa, people are really scared about it right now. Yeah. In in Iowa, the number one thing that caucus goers were worried about was immigration. That was their number one uh uh area of concern in New Hampshire, the Republican um uh, electorate is terrified of immigration in New Hampshire. You cannot get further from the southern border unless you're fucking having lobster rolls in Maine. <laughs> and and this sort of endless talk of the of the border crisis has now permeated. Uh, you know, you've got you've got people who work in a fucking I don't know uh, mechanic shop in New Hampshire worried about their jobs being taken. Yep, yep, exactly. I mean, and maybe there maybe this is all about the Canadian immigration problem. I don't know, but I don't think so. I don't think that's what he's referring to here with immigration um, and the border. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did how much of the wall was on the Canadian border? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, Which is the most porous border in the world. Uh, not to say that's a bad thing. I think that's great. Yeah, but it is the obviously. largest open border in the world. And it seems to have been going pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, but we got to... There's a guy, we won't get to this because it's not even worth going to. I guess it's worth us telling you about, dear listeners. There's a guy in the audience who's dressed like the wall. He has a suit that's made that's like the wall. And Trump brings him on stage. He's like, hey, get a load of this guy. You've been to a bunch of events. Uh, take, take a spin. Hey, round of applause for this guy. Like, Yeah, yeah. he's wearing it. So it, it, he, he's, it represents the wall. It represents what we did. We got 500 miles. We would have built another 200. Um, yeah. And the guy comes on and he is in like a Halloween costume where yeah. he- uh, It looks like jacket. shit. It, yeah. it looks like a, a brick wall in Mario 3 on <laughs> yes, Nintendo yes, yes. is what he's wearing. <laughs> and And one of the moments where it's like, oh yeah, like Trump, can be funny is the guy's walking off stage and he's like that's a hot selling jacket (laughs) (laughs) like everybody knows this looks like shit but he's just he's just like feeding them slop feeding these people slop because he knows it's what they want and um and they're too dumb to know that he's making fun of them yeah yep and then he that he he is disgusted by these people. He th- he thinks they're oh, dude, he hates him. he he resents them so much. He resents he resents his base so much. But I'll tell you someone else he resents. He resents Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter. Uh let's go to this clip in which uh Trump is talking about um uh Rosalind Carter. His wife went to Rosalind Carter's funeral and then he has this to say about uh President Biden. Jimmy Carter is happy now because 
he will go down as being a brilliant president by comparison to Joe Biden. He'll be a brilliant president. It's going to be he's going to be known as So Jimmy Carter is happy now. Um because in comparison he's going to be brilliant next to uh, Joe Biden. I'm sure that's what Jimmy Carter is thinking about after the passing of his his wife. Um, it's just how relieved he is about how... It's Honestly, so mean. It's such a fucking terrible thing. Like, what a fucking ghoulish thing to say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it's a pretty good line. Uh, sure. people look at, you know, because Carter is a one-term, people look at him right. as an ineffectual president, all this. Um, and it would be a good line if he hadn't transitioned into that by being like, it was very sad, the funeral, Melania was there, it was beautiful, Rosalind Carter, what a good life, and Jimmy Carter is happy now. It's like, what yes. is he going to say? Yes. Why? Like, like what? You know, because <laughs> yeah. that neck. No, he's like, he's like, <laughs> Jimmy Carter, he's happy now because he'll be brilliant compared to, you know, whatever. Like, okay, that's a fine line. You can tell your joke about Jimmy Carter, but not in the wake of the funeral. Fucking it's, hold off, it's, man. He's like, just... It just, it's not the right transition into that, especially when he started off his speech. Beach talking about Melania's mother passing yes. and then yes. her father being a widow and kind of well, making fun of him too. So maybe it's yes. all fair game. I don't but know. But he also he also starts the speech with a call for unity. That's the other thing that he does at the beginning is like Republicans, Democrats, we all have to come together. Like he does one of the signature Trump sentences that's like four fucking minutes long. And it's just a run on with He's interrupting himself and he's like, you know, progressives, liberals, you know, liberals. I, I knew a liberal once and liberal guy, liberal media, li- yeah, the, he the was media a liberal once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the that actually brings up a great point, because that is something that is now boilerplate in every political speech. It doesn't matter who you are. You call for unity in the beginning of the speech and then you give the most divisive speech possible. <laughs> yes, a- yes. And. Uh, you know, people have accused Biden of doing that in the State of the Union. Like, it, it's just, it's something that no matter what side you're on, you'll see the other guy doing it and get pissed off. But Trump doing it here, I think, illustrates how superficial. Yeah, no one believes in it anymore. No one actually believes it when they say it. And I don't even think people want it anymore. Like, like what does it mean what does unity mean? Yeah. Like, there are such different visions of what this country should look like that, like, I honestly don't know what that means. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. Um, I have one last clip here. It's a little bit long, um, but it's worth it. And it is a uh, personal uh, vendetta that I have against this man. So he's he's going through his policy positions and he starts talking about um how uh well first hang on real quick he says something right after the jimmy carter thing um about his his uh his ongoing trials that i think are is worth sharing with the audience um this is what trials i wouldn't know about them by watching the speech (laughs) prime and we have to help rebuild our cities and we have to rebuild the capital washington dc i was there 
on one of the Biden indictment trials, you know, Biden I, indictment I, trials. This is the only person this never happened before. But I go to a lot of courthouses because of Biden because they're using that for election interference. So trials are election interference. Sorry, that's the that's the that's the. This is something we're going to be hearing a lot. This is this is this is their line. This is what they've landed on in terms of how they're stri- strategizing against um, these trials. So. Uh, just bu- buckle up for that uh, this uh, election season. Um, but he goes on to you talk heard more it here, about DC. Fo- <laughs> you heard it here first, folks, and it yeah. won't be the last time. It won't be. Um, and he goes on to talk about DC some more. Um, let's give it a listen. And order. So we're going to rebuild the capital of our country, Washington, DC. We're going to scrub those beautiful marble columns and get the swastikas off them. And swastikers get the swastikers off of them yeah when you're buying your children sticker sets make sure not to get them swastikers (laughs) those are the bad sticker books this is the worst this is the worst and get the graffiti off them and we're going to clean the streets and we're going to rebuild the streets and we're not going to have rusted medians through the middle that are falling down into what the fuck is he talking about? What does that mean? What is he talking about? You I was lived, just I in was, DC. I was, I was hoping there. you could tell me because you 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 lived there for a long time and and you're, you're going there all the time now. I was hoping you could tell me. I have no fucking idea. And then here he gets into another thing here. Hang on one second. To the roads where foreign dignitaries from all over the world come and right. they look, and we're not going to be riding on top of garbage like I did. We're not going to be riding on top of garbage like I did. What is he talking about? I have no what idea. Is he ta- <laughs> I was thinking about that. Like, does the metro now? Are the tracks just like, uh, like several bags of garbage <laughs> deep? Or like, <laughs> no, I have no idea what just he means. A month ago, riding yeah. on top of garbage. We're going to rebuild our garbage, beautiful yeah. Washington D.C. and we're going to take control of it, and we're going to make unbelievably harsh. Penalty. Unbelievably harsh penalties. You won't believe yes. how harsh these penalties are going to be. It's what urban renewal is all about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's for people that go around shooting. Last week they shot three people. Who? Every night something yeah. happens. It's. Uh, I wonder who he so means. Sad. Yeah. And likewise, we're going to rebuild our cities and we'll work with the Democrats to do it. I'd be glad to work with the people in New York. Sure. We're going to work with the people in Chicago and LA. We're going to rebuild our cities. And then here is here's where the the big line comes. So uh, buckle up, everybody. And we're going to make them safe, and we're going to give our police officers immunity. So every time they they do something, they don't get sued and stopped. Then it- applause line. Okay, so that's the okay. other thing that they're going to run on. That's what they want to do. He police almost says when the police officers the shoot scariest- people campaign promises you could possibly make it's it's just so basically just making them the ss making a regular police officer just be like and and he stops himself i don't know he he stopped himself from saying he says shoot shoot yes yeah yeah that is that is so bad the idea that he's actually going to run nationally on police immunity i don't know if the federal government has the right to do that i don't think but There's going to be uh, some states who enact it if that's what he's running on. But the idea sure. that like total police immunity 
uh, is a breakdown of law and order. That yeah. that is, and I'd yes. imagine we're largely preaching to the choir right now. But yeah. like fucking red alert on that one. It's it's fucking police state, like you said, SS. I mean, it, it is it is it is an absolutely insane thing to say that you want to bring to the country. It's an insane platform to have. Yeah. Especially yeah, um, when he almost just said for when police officers shoot people. He almost yeah. says it. And then he says, we need to have police immunity. Yeah. But don't say defund the police because that's too extreme and scary. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully this becomes the right version of that. We can't say immunity. We can't say immunity. Let's let's just say uh, uh, police action protection program you know like uh <laughs> let, let, i hope they get into a fucking two-year-long argument uh. about syntax uh because <laughs> those conversations were great um no only the left <laughs> argues about our grammar and our diction the right they just they just move on to the next thing you know they just yeah. they don't give a shit they know They'll the words just... don't mean fucking anything yeah yeah. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about on this speech, and we don't yeah. have to find the find the clip. Um, yeah. uh, real quick, uh, at one point he's talking he's talking about how friendly he is with all of these dictators, which he loves talking about how his great yes. relationship with 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 Putin, Putin. and Xi and and uh, and Korea, you know, all all this stuff. He talks about Iran, and he says at one point, uh, he says. When I was in, we would have had an Iran deal so fast. It's like, you did! You, what are you talking about? You destroyed you the Iran one. deal. Yes. You backed out of it! Like, <laughs> what deal, man? You, like, and I haven't seen one article or commentator talking about this because the words don't have any fucking meaning anymore. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, yeah. The fact, uh, anyway, okay, so I'll stop because now I'm getting like incoherent. But the idea <laughs> of him being like, um, uh, we would have had an Iran deal if I was president. I don't know why there's no Iran deal. Biden really messed that one up. Huh? It's like, you, <laughs> you I, did. Can we play back like any other speech you've ever made? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, Mitch, um, that's it for my thoughts on this speech. It sucks. Don't nobody should listen to it. Um, I don't have anything. Any other takeaway? Oh, wait. One other takeaway. He he wants to impose voter ID, paper ballots, and one day elections. No, no more mail in ballots. Um, which, by the way, was a initiative created by Republicans uh, originally. Um, so, uh, just you know tamping down our elections so that only the people who are privileged enough to be able to go on election day are able to uh, vote. Um, I am excited about if that passes all of the like Benny Hill blooper videos we're going to get of old people (laughs) slipping on ice. (laughs) That'll be fun. Um, any any last thoughts for you on uh, on on our our future president's uh, speech here? My brain is empty. Mm-hmm. My heart is small. Can't lose. How many uh, January sixth would you give this out of six January sixth? Uh, five. Five January sixth <laughs> yeah, yeah. out of six. Yeah. Yeah. I- 
I, I'll do the same. I'll do the same. It wasn't quite, uh, you know, uh, show them strength. Uh, I'll be there with you. But, you know, it's he's he's given them what the people want, you know? It, it didn't have a lot of the qualities of, like, the great crazy Trump speeches. Right. And that's why it was a good one. Because <laughs> yes, it yes, was yes. just boring enough to feel like, another guy winning another primary. Yes. And that is when he is at his most dangerous because you get regular middle-of-the-road Republicans forgetting who this guy is. You get independents looking for some change because they're not happy with what's going on. You forget about the images of January 6th and of everything that happened during his previous administration and on all of the very, very, very serious trials that he is engaged in for subverting the country that he is trying to run again. And you just think like, yeah, I would have a Diet Coke with this guy. Yeah. And that's the danger of this speech five out of six january (laughs) um one quick thing we have to go here uh in a minute but uh we're gonna we're gonna play a little game first um we are going to do a a predict uh, predict it guess the market so there's a website called predict it it is a uh marketplace where you can um bet on outcomes in the political world we could probably do a whole episode on this but just real quick uh i want to quiz you on some of these predicted markets uh today we're recording on january 19th um okay according to predict it who will win the 2024 u.s presidential election uh trump and by what percent Oh, I would say 55. And what's Biden at? 42. And Nikki Haley. Oh, God. Uh, uh, Two? Okay, pretty close. So Trump is at 47, so lower than what you said. Biden is at 42. Okay. And then Haley is at six. That's inflated. Yeah. What do you think about uh, uh, Robert Kennedy? Uh, I don't like him. Um, (laughs) What do you think he's at? uh, I think he's at three. He is at four. He is at four. Um, So very close. Um, Who is going to be the 2024 Republican vice presidential uh, candidate, according to Predict It? Ooh. do you That's want me to give one. you names and then you can guess percentages or let me let me guess the first couple and then you can throw okay. a couple names at me. I, I would guess Haley is probably mm-hmm. at the highest percentage um followed by uh, I don't think there's any chance in hell this would happen but DeSantis um and then there's probably a Carrie Lake percentage in there that is negligible um uh who else uh i don't know uh hit me desantis is at three cent or three percent haley is at nine percent 
And okay. then, yeah, a bunch of other people. Uh, so there's a top, let's do the top five here. Um, so you got number five is Nikki Haley. Number four. Do you want to guess who number four is? Do you want me to give you some hints? Uh, is it Ramaswamy? Ramaswamy is number three at 15%. Okay. Number four right. was another GOP uh, presidential candidate uh, from this cycle. And he is a male person. Man, I've already... For... There's no way Christie's on that list. Is Christie there? is not on this list. No. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to think of like... At this point, I don't even remember who else was trying to run as a Republican. That's very fair. I've, I've tried to uh, forget as much as possible too. He is a senator. He is a, a US senator. And he was thinking about it this term? Like he this ran, time? Yeah, he ran this time. Um, He's from South Carolina. Lindsey Graham? Nope. Tim Scott. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Tim Scott, who who would not answer the question of whether or not he had lost his virginity. <laughs> that's my that's my kind of president right, right there. I forgot. He was taken very seriously for like eight seconds. Uh, number two is a governor. Is it uh, North Dakota? The North Dakota yes. governor? Yes. Yeah. Christy Nome is correct. And number one... Uh, so Christy Nome has 19%. Number okay. one uh, is in the House, the House of Representatives. Still? Mm-hmm. From um, New York. Is it Elise Stefanik? Yes. That is what Whoa. predicted thinks, which would kind of make sense. They think it's going to be a woman, and they think it's either going to be Stefanik or Christy Nome. um let's see let me pull up another one let me find a fun one is there any is there any other one that you want to um i I haven't i haven't looked at these this cycle uh so i don't know what they're even talking about uh i haven't looked either let me see what they think here about Who, which party will win Georgia in 2024 against, or, or according to predict it? You know, I think the Democrats can hold on to it. I think, Dem- I think Demo- uh, Democrat, uh, I think but, they'll have Democrat as like, at like 48, Republican at 46. It's close. They have, uh, there might be some value here for, for us, Mitch. Republicans at 58%, Democrats at 43%. So. Yeah, I mean, well, this also goes into what we were talking about earlier with uh, the laws changing. So it will be harder for the Democrats to win yep. this go round. So there is that. But what did you say the Democrats were at? 43%. I think there is a little value there, but yeah. like like four cents of value. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, on that happy, optimistic note, uh, we have come to the end of the show here. Mitch, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Uh, any last thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with um, here before before we have to sign off? 
Yes, uh, vote. It's the most <laughs> important election of our lives. You have to go vote uh, because otherwise it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, if you got, you have to do it. Just mm -hmm. do it. Just. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I'm. I, I'm tired. <laughs> I couldn't uh, have said it so better myself. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for having me on, Frank. This is, uh, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say this is a pretty good thing that came out of January 6th, uh, <laughs> us doing this. I, you know, maybe it's all worth it. it um, I think it was all worth it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but thank you again. Thank you to anyone who's still listening. Yes. Uh, and yes. Uh, yeah, man, uh, always, always great to talk. Likewise, right back to you. You'll be back for the Oscars podcasts uh here in about a month or so and anything you want to plug before we have to go yeah we're doing an oscar podcast in about a month <laughs> um it's going to be a very different tone uh uh very fun we're going to talk about trump like very little mm -hmm. um you know maybe not at all but the statues are made of gold so who knows <laughs> uh he might he might sneak in there uh <laughs> Movies, movies were great this year. Very excited movies about were that. awesome. Um, yeah, uh, no, that'll be a fun, very, very different conversation uh, with our friend Matt. And uh, yeah, no, I that's that's it, man. Much love, and much love to you, dear listener. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Let's Be Frank. Bye.